The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. Do you hear that, Ern? The Leaky Cauldron. Just go! You're wasting time! Welcome to Pot and Cast, your number one source for new serious discussion and interviews with people from the Potter books and films. I know a small amount myself having written the books. My name is Jakey Rowling. I am now happy to introduce your hosts, Melissa, John, and Brack. Okay, Pottercast 290. Woo! 290, getting, getting close to 300. Finally, About time. we'll get there one day. I'm Melissa. Hey, I'm John, and I'm Frankie. And if you are a longtime listener to Pottercast, you will be uh, feeling like it's 2007 because we have with us our very dear old friends, Paul and Joe from Harry and the Potters. Hello, hello. This is Paul. Welcome back, guys. Thank you. It's great to be here. We can't wait to get into it with Harry and the Potters, but before we do, let's go to Emma with this week's news. And now we turn to regular contributor for an update on how the new wizarding order is affecting the muggle world. All right. Episode 290. It's Melissa and Emma. Hello. Yay. (laughs) Yay. Very muted. Yay. They're from England. Uh... What? There's so, like, I haven't seen Harry Potter news this active in a while. I know. It's literally every day now. There's something big. Yeah. <laughs> well, the world is so large now. Yeah. So many people, so many people doing new things. So give us the lowdown, Emma. Right. So obviously this week or recently, the biggest thing has been wizardingworld.com and what that is and where it's come from, because it seemed like it was just, like, thrown at us. Um in a day by the bookseller and everyone was like yeah. jumping on it um but now obviously we've got a website to look at <laughs> and it's out yeah today the first th- did you do your whole um i am yeah yeah Arya or whatever yeah i i <laughs> say Arya. everything is Arya. game of thrones right now <laughs> i mean i wish i could put game of thrones stuff in it as well but i mean i guess that wouldn't be very what exactly is new about this wizarding world site so i think it's gonna be experiences based on this whole wizarding world passport idea i think so that's what it's seeming like so we're creating this whole passport to sort of give you a personality um on this site it looks like and you can choose all the things you're like um all your favorite parts of the wizarding world and then going forward it looks like that's going to be sort of your key to certain experiences it sounds like so they're saying that it looks like they're setting this up so that we'll be able to interact with different parts as they sort of come out i think it just says magic awaits in the meantime go to pottermore.com for updates which isn't right isn't a lot of information (laughs) is there anything already new or is it just pottermore just like they're just sort of like getting pottermore people all into the site and that's about it yeah it seems like the main thing they want people doing right now is just making their passport and sharing it so just getting the word out and making sure people are registered okay, so this is this is a so this is watch this yeah space, basically right? yeah so pottermore's still active okay. like the website's still active 
So I think whatever they're doing with it, they're going to be doing slowly by the looks of things. <laughs> okay. So tell me about the little hubbub that happened earlier this week with, are they going to be charging for content? Will they, won't they? What did MuggleNet say? What did we say? Like, what happened? So uh, initially, so the initial statement said basically nothing about anything, really. It was just like, oh, we're really excited going for a joint venture. We've got film rights now. And basically, like our imagination is the only restriction we have which sounded really positive. We were like, oh, wow, maybe we're going to get Pottermore like it used to be, like, interactive and not, like, a news site sort of thing. Just, a, like, a rolling page. Um, but then... Right. MuggleNet came out with a leak of a lot of stuff, basically, that said that this site was going to give fans access to like exclusive experiences. They claimed there was like a digital journal that people were going to get if they subscribed. And I, they didn't say prices, but it was like a gold tier, which to me sounds expensive. <laughs> and yeah, so there was going to be like a, a digital journal, which is like a physical thing. Um, and then like a podcast they mentioned, I think, exclusive access to events and priority booking for Cursed Child. So basically a load of stuff that you'd pay premium prices for, it sounded like. Um, and then you got to be a gold star fan. Oh, and you got a badge for that. <laughs> this is what they claimed. And then, so we went to a spokesperson for Wizarding World Digital, this new venture. We were like, right, what is going on? Um, right. And... They said to us that the premium aspect is just a is just a concept they have at the moment. So people found it on the website. People found a little page saying Wizarding World Gold hidden on the website somewhere. Um, and that page has been deleted now. But basically, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So it's being explored. So this was all based on somebody found... Somebody had a hack or uh, they crawled the page they found a page wow that is such a 2000 type of leak yes <laughs> so yeah I, I yeah i'm not sure exactly this is the stuff that used to happen in 2003 this is really bizarre yeah, they should have seen it coming <laughs> but i i think yeah yeah it sounded to me what they were saying to us was that it's a work in progress there's a lot of stuff coming they were really stressing the idea of like experiences and concepts just basically right. watch the site and they're excited to offer more and they they said that the site's going to be like bigger and better things so uh, <laughs> we'll judge that okay. later when there's right. more than so they let us know that this is just an idea that they're throwing around and judging by the reaction i mean what would your mm. uh, I, I don't it to me i i completely withhold judgment until yeah. you see the full the way everybody freaked out immediately is just not i mean as as yeah it just doesn't ring okay yeah. with me like yeah maybe it's not the best idea maybe it's for stuff that you don't care if you don't have maybe it's a great idea i don't you know yeah don't it's know. like like um, um subscription boxes and stuff like that like a lot of people don't care that yeah. they can't have those like obviously a lot of people do care right. that they can't have it but it's not something you need to be a fan maybe it's the language of like a gold fan like i think people took issue with R that maybe 
that exclusive language was yeah. maybe not advisable. Like the the language or the the I think the fear mm. was that you can only get certain content or there would be a better or less better Harry po- or less good Harry Potter fan. And mm. but you know, let, like let's be honest, everything Harry Potter has always been behind some sort of money wall. You have to pay money to go to the park. Yeah, you have to pay money <laughs> to buy the books. Yeah. You don't, besides Pottermore, which the content is free, everything else, yeah. it costs money. So like, and I don't want to excuse if they are tearing Harry Potter fans. That's like a hard thing to to swallow. But this <gasps> money <laughs> thing is, confu- it's a little confusing yeah, to think- me. It's like we all, we do pay money for these books, probably what they're talking about. And, and for whatever, unless you, unless you don't, in which case, okay, cool. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, okay. That's, uh, that's your own choice. It's, cool but um i don't know it's it's it, until we have the real details yeah the way people you know freak out over these things and this is and this is back from the beginning of the harry potter thing um when we'd get a leak everybody would freak out <laughs> so it was true and we always used to say on leaky this is a this is unconfirmed information let's it's we don't know what's true we don't know what's not and let's let's see yeah. what happens now that said i think it's important to tell to, to say when we think such and such is a bad idea. And I do think that putting um, uh, like Pottermore style content behind a paywall is maybe not the best plan, but I don't think that's what they were planning to no, do. No, they said to they, they said to us that basically the that Pottermore's content, all of the stuff written by JK Rowling, like all the stuff we have now, basically, is still gonna be free. So all of that information, they're not gonna put that behind a paywall all of a sudden and be like, Oh yeah, you can't get that anymore unless you're willing to pay us money. Um, but yeah, going forward, right. it's just like, in my head, I'm like, what if there are videos behind the scenes of the films or maybe like interviews with people involved in creating the films or maybe who, like with JK Rowling or whatever and people can't access that. Yeah. But I know we right. don't know. We don't know that that's going to be the case. Yeah. Right. The problem that you get into is that then the fan sites are going to report on it anyway. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it's like, I was so, thinking that. I'm like, how do we access What's the this? point? <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, tell me about seeing Emma, Emma Watson. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. So at one point, uh, we all cried. But she was talking to Dr. Denis McQuaige, um, who treats survivors of sexual violence um, in matters of conflict um, at his hospital. And oh my god, it was just incredible. The entire talk. Emma Watson, I've never seen her like interview anyone in person, obviously. But she just, like, she kept pausing and, like, making sure she was, like, listening to him and, like, interacting with everyone. And then she was, like, giving her own Mm -hmm. thoughts on issues. And you really see how much she's invested in this. I mean, she's just been to the G7 summit in Paris, um, which is, like, a gender equality council. And Dr. McQuaige was there as well. But you just saw how well they bounced off each other and how invested she is, how knowledgeable she is. Like, oh, it was so good. That's wonderful. And can we see coverage of this up on the Yes, leaky? by the time this releases, definitely. Yes. <laughs> tell me tell me one more big thing that's going on in the Harry Potter world. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> uh, so many, one more. Alison Sudol. I'm going to choose her. Yeah, I'm going to choose that. Alison Sudol is going on tour for the first time um, in ages. And obviously she's pretty new to the wizarding world and I don't know how how many people are following her music and following her journey. She spoke about sort of struggles with mental health um, when she released her EP Moon and oh, like she's just amazing and she's going on tour in August, September. 
So yeah, it's really good. It's like been a really big journey for her. So I think it's going to be a really nice opportunity for people to sort of support that and see her in a different environment. Obviously, the wizarding world again. So yeah. Right. Cool. Awesome. Lots of stuff. Well, <laughs> thanks, Emma. The-cauldron.org. Or just Google it if you can't remember, yes. Yes. as they say. <laughs> right. See you next time. See you. Bye. Okay, we are back with Harry and the Potters. I think we were on Pottercast 5, episode 5, I think. I believe it. FYI. Have we ever been on a podcast together? <laughs> Was it pre- It's pre-Frankie on podcast. Pre-Frank. What? Is this really? No, we toured together. We toured together and all that. Well, I know yeah. we toured together, but I, I, if, it was, if you were only on episode five. No, no, no. We were, we were also, we were on a lot of episodes. No, no, no. Their first one. Yeah. Frankie, okay, don't you great. remember Potter Yeah. Cats? Hey, can... Yeah, that's true. That's did true. you get my email with the theme songs? Have you been using we them? We did. We got your email. Why don't we play them right here as we go into the Drop episode it in. proper? Boom. Dropping it right in. Podcast 290. Super old school. Theme song recorded live on tour 2007 in our <laughs> van. <laughs> Can't make that it is up. one of my favorites for sure. That's the, if it was a 2007 tour, that's when I met you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You that was a We played a lot of um, Wiffle Ball. Was it Wiffle Ball? <laughs> what were you we playing? We were playing Wiffle Ball. It, wiffle was, ball. Yeah. it was Wiffle Ball. Yeah. It, it was Wiffle Ball. And um, I, I did very well for me. I've been told many times that I have no game when it comes to that sport. That was we, uh, quite the embarrassing showing we, on the. That's YouTubes. right. We were playing. Um, we were playing Harry and the Potters versus Pottercast at the <laughs> Wiffle Ball games, right? Versus Pottercast. Yeah, which is <laughs> so balanced, totally balanced. Uh, Super bench. balanced. Yeah, guys who do incredibly physical rock shows every single night. But really, we're not. We're not the sportiest crew, let's be honest. We're <laughs> no, but you're like log equipment and stuff. Like it's you're not the sportiest ball, crew, but Melissa, when you compare, it's wiffle ball. Okay, yeah, it's not but like when a... you. Let's be honest, but when you compare sheer strength contest. Okay, but when you compare jumping around for an hour every night and lugging your crap all over the United States to a couple yeah. of web first people and a graphic illustrator, it didn't go. Do you have well. a gym membership now? I do. You're ahead of me, see? So let's let's play. Let's play Wiffle Ball. I got ball. the muscle I got the muscles. Let's play Wiffle Ball. Let's do it at Leaky. Or we should call it Quiffle Ball. <laughs> Quiffle that's Ball. A, oh. That's the right track. All right. Don't okay, hold on. We're we're way off track. So here. off track. Paul What's happening this week? What's the plan? Guys, I don't know play if you've out. heard, but Paul and Joe recorded their first album in over a decade. What? Just this is huge news. <laughs> Harry and the Potter is coming back with Lumos. It's here. I mean, it's not here. It's out soon. But it's, it's done. Soon. It's done. And it's awesome. And I sent, it to, it. I sent it to you guys. It's nice of you to pretend like it's news <laughs> to you. I almost <laughs> said, this is brand news. new information. But I didn't want to, like, mock. I wasn't. I was talking to the Pottercast audience and not John and Frankie, who clearly... <laughs> 
have the album. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. It is so, a bomb, yo. Well, yeah, got the pop- early copy, the bootleg early album. Got the so, MP3s. We did. We uploaded it for our patrons. So, no, oh, my God. Yeah, I'm what? Kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Our patrons. <laughs> Could you imagine? Get out of here! How I was like, funny. sorry, sorry, Paul. I didn't know that's what. I didn't know that wasn't okay. Cut me in. Uh, yeah, those four bucks are just gonna. <laughs> it's gonna put you over on the Kickstarter. But tell us, tell us a little bit about it, guys. Tell us why, why you. I mean, God, it's been thirteen years. Thirteen years since New Harry and the Potter music. Yeah. Well. Um. Yeah. It's funny to think that we haven't released new music in the entire period. That we've known you all, and we've known you so all for true. so long. That can't um, be right. Well, it's not right because you release new songs. That's true. A yeah. Lot. No. Right. Especially so that's with, like, that's though. true. Yeah. It's not like we stopped um, writing and releasing music, but this is really the first time uh, in 13 years that we've kind of like carved out the time to actually put together an album. It's a the entire album is about the seventh Harry Potter book, and so our last full length was 2006, Harry and the Potters and the Power of Love, and that sort of ends um, with um, Half-Blood Prince. Um, that that album follows yeah. the traje- trajectory of that book mainly. Um, and then, you know, coming out of 2007, we just never kind of set aside the time for that amount of sort of deliberate work that we wanted to put into to making an, a new full-length album. What did it? What was what changed? And we got we got older, uh, had a little more experience, and um, uh, yeah, it was. It now just felt like the the time to do it within the last year or so um, for us. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I think part of what changed too was you know like trump and this political climate we're in and as artists looking for ways to respond to that and to to do what we can with the the voice we have and the and um and so you know feeling like there was if we were going to keep playing and performing as a band we had to kind of address those things as well in some way as another's agreed sometimes purity is the source of corrosion like iron in a cauldron, a dark potion, rusting out through the bottom, it always finds the lowest point. These pure blood identity politics are nothing more than arrogance, a rally point for a supporter. Yeah, and the, the story of the seventh book is, uh, you know, there's so much to pull from that is parallel to what um, we're seeing with the the rise of the right, you know, worldwide here. That's really interesting that that you that you bring that up. Uh, I definitely picked up on quite a bit of that as I was listening Same. to the album and just how you know on point it was to just a lot of the you know what you've been seeing in the news uh, here in the past year or so and. Uh, Obviously, like like you said, uh, recent current events kind of inspired a lot of it. But uh, I was just kind of curious. Like you said, it's been since 2007, since the last major album. And this uh, album is centered around, you know, Deathly Hollows, which published in 2007. How much, like, would you say just kind of bits and pieces of songs and ideas for songs had you kind of 
had you know th throwing around in in your heads um, since reading the book up up through the point in where you actually officially started on the album. Yeah, I don't think there's a whole lot. Um, I I remember very specifically wanting to write a song about a dragon in 2007. And, uh, yeah. and and trying to address that plot element, riding a dragon, and um, <laughs> riding a dragon, and I had um, sketched out some stuff for the song uh, "The Stone" and had some ideas kicking around that was finally a thrill to execute. Um, but other than that, really not not a whole lot. That's cool. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm I'm in the same boat. I think uh, yeah, Joe and I kind of had the same approach. I think to this record which is that for a long, long time, we didn't really want to dig in too deeply with the songwriting we were doing, even though we were kind of continuing continuing to write songs with the band. We were only kind of scratching the surface on book eight. Like one one good example is we had this song called The Great Motorcycle Explosion of uh, 97. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's about Hedwig. Um, you don't say. Yeah. It's, uh, Who's not really dead. Not really dead. Uh, Hedwig is not dead dot com. Callback. Really dead, it's a real callback. Um, <laughs> a project of mine and Paul. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, we had this song, and uh, we we did consider re-recording it for the record, but ultimately decided, uh, you know, maybe just stick with the new stuff. But we we did record a new version of it that we ended up putting on. There's a whole, in addition to the 16 songs on Lumos, there's probably another 15 to 20 songs we wrote and recorded over the last year. So uh, 11 of those are on a companion disc. Um, including our very, uh, very much improved Great Motorcycle Explosion of 97. Yeah, I was noticing that, um, like, the seven Harry Potters wasn't on the proper Lumos. The, I love, oh, the I boogie? love that song. The, the Harry Potter yeah, the boogie. boogie. Harry Potter Boogie. Yeah. That's not there. But is it's that coming it? out on its own 45 jukebox single. Of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> Your folks got that jukebox in the basement, right? We do. You remember? Does that do records? Does that one do records? <laughs> it does. It does. It does forty five. Well, cool. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna comp you a copy of the Harry Potter uh, boogie, as long as it goes is, in the jukebox. The benefits. It's absolutely going in Great. the jukebox. <laughs> oh my god. They, the fun thing about the jukebox is that my parents still use it, but have lost the labels. Oh well, ours so, comes with a label. <laughs> no, like the labels. The wait, it goes the label that you put in the front of the machine. Yeah. It comes with a label. Oh, great! Because I was gonna like put it under some old Michael Jackson track or something. No, no, so no! It comes they're... with a label, so you're all good. Okay. That's so cool! Amazing. You think of everything. I mean, you can put it in like a regular player, right? Like a, you don't need a jukebox. To... No, it could go, go on a record player. Okay, cool. You gotta have. Do you have a gotta have the player? insert though. You gotta have that. It's got the big hole. Just for the record, it it'll work. Yeah. That's literal and figurative. Listen, getting back in, like, opening this record was a little bit emotional for me. It was very um, opening. Putting on the record, listening to the record, the yeah. opening tones were very... Um, I, I, are you guys okay if we play a couple of clips throughout this? Yeah, go oh, ahead. Yeah, of course. Okay, cool. No um, big spoilers, though. No big spoilers, <laughs> and obviously no... I mean, honestly, like... <laughs> We all know what happens. Yeah, Paul plays a really big guitar solo. <laughs> he does. This oh is yeah, twenty-five minute guitar solo in the middle in the in the, in the middle of song six. Um, but no, the beginning it, it sort of sets a tone, and the the lyric about it all felt like a story when we were younger. Mm, um, yeah, made me really 
deeply nostalgic and a little bit sad for that time mm-hmm. and also when these these themes were fantastical and when you know yeah. this kind of hurt that comes from ins- this kind of intolerance felt much further away from us mm, yeah mm-hmm. i don't know if i have a question i just <laughs> no that's it's just a comment it's uh yeah it's great to hear that it resonates you know in that way with you melissa um yeah that song we were we were very careful about how to have a song that's still kind of in Harry Potter's perspective, but also addressing why we're making this record as well. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we grew up as well here um, mm-hmm. as a band, as people, mm-hmm. um, as a fandom, you know, like uh, for, to have a 13 year gap in between albums like we wanted to address that um kind of all in all in a few phrases up front yeah honestly i don't know if people uh if a lot of people listening now really know the history the the the, i'll try and give a little thumbnail sketch that um you guys started the band when you were you just decided to write some songs about harry potter and it was between book it was before book five came out Mm -hmm. and it was in your in your garage in Norwood, Massachusetts. And it was it was sort of a joke, right? It was sort of a, a well, this seems like a fun project. Yeah, I'd had the idea brewing for like a year or two at that point, just thinking oh, it would be cool if Harry Potter had a band. I, I like, there was all these other sort of conceptual bands out there that I had um, had in the back of my mind and always really admired just to, to take a, a concept and like really dig so deeply in it that you form a whole band about it. I just think that's cool. Um, and mm-hmm. so, yeah, a couple bands, jo- Joe used to host concerts in our, our parents' shed in the backyard and a couple bands canceled. So we just decided to go forward and um, put put this <laughs> band together. And, and we spent about an hour writing songs at the kitchen table and then practiced them for an hour and then played them for our six friends. And then that was that was it. That was it for a while. That was it. Um, that was it. But then when um, Order of the Phoenix was coming out as a book... Um, in 2003, we decided, oh, let's, uh, let's see if we can book some gigs. Let's call up some bookstores and see if they'll let us play, play the night of the book release. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, shortly after that, like Harry Potter fandom, which, you know, we, we didn't know that there was a fandom out there sort of at the time we were starting this band. Um, we just thought, oh, like these are books. People love these books. That's awesome. Um, and we didn't know people were digging in, uh, a lot deeper on it. Um, but as soon as the Harry Potter fandom sort of caught wind of our project, it's like wind in our sails. Suddenly we had this um, sort of fandom almost overnight or not fandom, but we had fans almost overnight yeah. uh, everywhere. Um, kind of like sending us emails, crashing our music server. And yeah, and- <laughs> I was going to say, I remember that what happened like, and this whole story is told in detail in uh, plug my book. Um, but um, <laughs> and I just haven't read it in so long that I, I'm having trouble remembering the, 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 the you know, the, the base details. But I think Cassandra Clare, the fanfic author, yeah. like found you guys and like posted a link and that's what completely did it. unaware. Is- <laughs> Uh, yeah, and your whole server went down, and you were like, "Like, what's a leaky cauldron? I don't understand yeah. what's going on." <laughs> and suddenly, before we knew it, you guys had a hundred thousand friends on MySpace. You guys were touring the country, carving out this niche where you can play at libraries. And time went on, and the the th- it stuck because what you were doing was so pure. And so um, now, and oh. now, sixteen years after that first 
Yeah. That first show. Um, I remember t- I remember talking to you guys about like, what? where's book seven? What about book seven? When are you going to record book seven? And it just never seemed in the cards. And it's really exciting that it's here now. Yeah. It took a while for us to come around on it. You know, it was Joe and I finally managed to like both be in the right place. I think, you know, both with our personal lives and like sort of professional headspace about this band, you know, yeah. uh, we'd been, we'd been living in different cities for the last um, 10 years. So it's, it's hard mm-hmm. to find time to, to work together in yeah. like, we very deliberately, way. yeah, we very deliberately carved out time to yeah. to be together yeah. to make make the record. was that what was that like what was that process like for you guys to to do this uh this time around when you're not living in the same city and like like you said you do have to find the time how how was it you know how was the last album different from this one as far as production um yeah i mean it it was a little daunting because it was like oh we haven't really sat down and done this in years um but you know, it was, it was a little slow going in, but once we started, we had like one song, just more and more kept, kept coming out. Um, just... Yeah. The first, first couple were the hardest I'd say, uh, you know, so, so the way it started was Joe, we had a gig. I live in Lawrence, Kansas. We had a gig out here. And so Joe came out and we de- we had decided like, why don't you book a longer trip and we'll try and do some work on, on this record idea. Mm-hmm. not knowing exactly if that was going to work or not because it'd been so long but um yeah we we played the gig and then we actually spent most of the n- week following the gig just kind of like hanging out on the couch together reading the book and taking extensive Aww. notes um, mm-hmm. so i have a notebook full cool. of full of notes of like little bits and pieces of things that i thought would make interesting songs or things that things that i wanted to explore and joe did the same thing and um, and after like four or five days of that is when we started to kind of like, I want to work on this kind of thing. Like here, I got a hook. Let's work on this. Let's, let's explore this. What new things presented themselves to you when you were diving back in after all this time? Like, what did you like, you know, did you find things in the book that you didn't expect were there? Or was it all, or was it just a reminder of what was already there? Yeah, there yeah. were, there were new things. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like you go ahead, Paul. <laughs> Um, I found, uh, yeah, I found a lot more, um, more emotion in Harry's character. Like, uh, I guess I was mm. like some of the things I, I wasn't expect, I was definitely expecting we we're going to write a bunch of sort of like anti like fascist songs about the seventh Harry Potter book. Like I went in knowing that and, yeah. and that was, that was sort of like the easy ones. Um, kind of like a bad mission statement. Yeah. And then, uh, but then there was other places where I was like, you know, um, like the the third song on the record is called um good riddance privet drive and there's this mm-hmm. one very touching scene where harry's sort of like giving hedwig the tour of privet drive almost like wistfully walking around showing him like here's where i used to sleep remember that that's mm-hmm. really small mm-hmm. um yeah and uh just really 
touched by that and by this other scene where um, Harry is looking through Sirius Black stuff and he finds this letter his mom had written him. Um, and so both of those moments, we, we kind of worked into songs just as a way to explore this other side of Harry's character and his, um, his relationships with his parents and his aunt and uncle and things like that. Yeah, yeah that good written song, I think, was the, the first one we really wrote together after, after we reread them. Yeah, and side note, it was uh, it was actually written mostly at the Lawrence Public Library. Joe and I booked. <laughs> yes. There's a recording studio there, and we booked out a bunch of time, and we're just like in the studio writing and recording demos. So a pretty pretty That's quality so cool. demo there. It's so on brand for you guys. My gosh. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, tell me about some of your favorite pieces of this of the album. What what were some of the what are some of the some of the stuff that you're most that you're proudest of here? Uh, I'm really glad, Paul. Paul really played some guitar solos. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm so proud of my brother. He's learned to to play a guitar solo. Well, <laughs> I actually wanna I wanna talk about that a little bit. You guys are you sort of tongue in cheek um, joke with people the thing that gets said sometimes about the band, which is like, yeah, yeah, their recorded album is one thing, but you, you got to see them live, and. That's been true of Harry Potter over the years. You listen to the music because it's fun and it's Harry Potter. But the real, fjord, the real like thing that's powered your guys' popularity, I would say, is the transformative, uh, just like just completely affecting thing that happens at your shows, where you 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 show up and it's not about it's an l- listen to some of our music. It's about yeah, it's about it's about swearing to the power of love and the universe and all of that. And it's, and it's, I say that in a non, that's not irony. There's nothing jaded about that. It's really pure. And so, but along the way, you guys have really picked up an amazing set of music skills that you had in the beginning, but you, you always, you talk about how how that's really come full circle. And so then now this album feels like absolutely produced and, and of a, of a level that, um, that is really exciting to see from you guys. Yeah, yeah, and it still feels like you guys too. It's not totally. Like, it still has mm-hmm. the, totally that recording, that recorded feel. Like that's still your guys's sound and or maybe, maybe texture. Yeah, it has the same texture, but I think the production value definitely is. Like I noticed the same thing, Melissa. I, I was listening to it and I was like, "This is interesting." And I didn't know how to phrase it in a way, but I think you phrased it yeah. very well because it's hard <laughs> to say that in a way that doesn't come off like <laughs> I know. like it some sort like... of backhanded. Yeah, all, all of your old shit was like not great. Thanks, but, right? Like, no, no, no. John said, "Tell him what like I it mean is. at all," and I hope you know. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> no, no, I, I mean, no, we're we're totally upfront about that. Like, I mean, those first couple of records were recorded in like a weekend, and we had no idea what we were doing, and. Uh, they're all like one or two takes and done. And, um, as we, as we got older and got more mature as people and as musicians and as, uh, composers and all of, all that goes along with the sort of songwriting and recording craft, um, I think we just ended up with like a more clear idea of what we wanted. And we also realized like what we could and couldn't do ourselves. So, um, Mm. we were really deliberate and, um, wanting to record this kind of in a certain way. And um, we worked with a couple um, really amazing engineers in Gloucester, Massachusetts, um, a studio called Bang a Song. Um, nice. And I just emailed um, this guy, Tony Goddess, who runs that studio. I'd just been a fan of his, um, he had this old band called Papas Fritas. Um, 
<laughs> and uh, they were just like this really great indie pop band that um, you could tell that they really labored over the way their songs were written and recorded. And I just liked that. And mm. um, I just thought that this was that must, this might be a guy who would be fun to work with. And it turned out really great. Um, the two guys we recorded with, Tony and his his uh, studio partner Warren were just phenomenal and they they really made the album happen in ways that we didn't weren't able to you know like on the technical side of things as far as editing and recording stuff. yeah all the tools and connections and and mm-hmm. abilities that you've picked up along the way it's it's kind of it's it's really cool and really amazing to see it to see it yeah. happen that way Joe you Joe know? is shouting out um, my guitar solo but I also want to shout out Joe's sort of composition compositional style on this record because there's like there's a few songs that joe really drives compositionally like the hermione song and the Uh. the the dragon song um and the stone Mm. and he he's kind of like the main architect of those and those are all like they all take you on this incredible journey um most of the songwriting is sort of like more linear than um sort of verse chorus verse in structure and so Mm. Yeah, you're kind of just like along for a ride on some of these tracks and it's um I find those are the the ones I love going back and listening to the most just because, you know, you get to yeah. you never know which way it's going to turn. <laughs> I love the Hermione, love Hermione. song. Hoping to yeah. This oh, world. thanks guys. Wow. The stone also, but the Hermione song and the stone together are just really Hermione cute, like, song. Where's Ron? I love Where's Ron. Yeah, so I love Where's Ron. Where's, effing much. Where's it's Ron like, was fun to write because um, it's like a do. It's like a it's like a love song, but not. It's a duet about a third party. It's just beautiful. Yeah, and that that was great because um, Brad from um, who's drumming on the record and from Draco uh-huh. Draco and the Malfoys also wrote that with us. We were. Oh, we just did just it all together. Tell him in the how studio. much I love that. That was beautiful. Yeah, that's beautiful. and that's another. Like he's been with you guys for so long, playing with you for so long, mm-hmm. and now he's part of this album, which is I, don't, I find this all really fantastic. Yeah, I, I mean, Brad is always in. The, we've had a lot of drummers, um, and if you don't follow us closely, you might not know that. But uh, there's there's <laughs> frequently a year that doesn't go by that. Um, or there's rarely a year that doesn't go by where we right. don't pop up with a new drummer somewhere along the along the timeline. So, but um, spinal tap. Up yeah, but, um, Brad's been like a real mainstay, and while he hasn't toured with us since probably 2007, he's always kind of like stayed present with the band. We do the Yule balls with them when we're playing in like the the New England area. Um, but he was he was uh, far and away our our first choice here to re- record this record with, just because. Um, our songwriting sensibilities are so similar. I think, you know, uh, eventually we found out, and this is, this is like such a weird, amazing coincidence, but, um, the first concert I took Joe to was, um, 
first concert Joe ever saw was um, Weird Al at the Warwick Melody Tent in uh, August 1999. <laughs> That's in Rhode Island. Um, nice. And we come to find out that Brad was also at that show. This is 1999, so no. six years before we met Brad. Wow. But wow, that's cool. not that's not where it stops. Um, Neil Cicerega from Potter Papa Pals was also at that show, what? as was wow. his future wife Ming Doyle. That's hilarious. Yeah, so it's like our whole um, our whole future collaborator orbit was like sort of revolving around this Weird Al show in Rhode Island in 1999. That, and yet that makes I mean that makes absolute. Yeah, it sounds it like really the does. plot of like Umbrella Academy. Like, I mean, what happened? And eighty-five Harry Potter fans took over the world. Yeah, that's as a weird aside, yeah. but just as a way of saying like, what we we have like the same music in our blood, essentially as Brad. And yeah. um, it was just a great chance for um, us to bring him on to like the recording side, where he hasn't played as much a role in the band, and so great to work with him. And that song, "Where's Ron." Um, we actually wrote in the studio, um, I think the second night of a recording and then like the next morning came in and put it down like, wow, well, how the hell do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound like anywhere near enough time. Like, are, are you saying like the words and like, like this, the sound and the music and everything all tw- 24 hours? Less 12 how in the hell do you do that? Sometimes yeah. that's how art that's works. So Sometimes. impressive. That's insane. That's so beautiful when that happens. Like, does it just come? Does it like? Do you just hear it in your head, like as you're writing the words? Well, we had or, like, do you just do one all the way through and then the other all the way? We through? were building off each other, you know, in ways. Yeah, we were. So we were kind of. You get us uh, a few chords going, and then we were kind of riffing on on lyrics together, just sort of like I think the engineers were sort of like packing up for the night. And one of us had a guitar and we were just like sort of passing it around and like trying out phrases and like eventually stumbling onto like, oh, okay, here is the chorus. And then, okay, here is the bridge part, you know? Um, and then Joe sat down at the piano and instantly started just like kicking it out. That's amazing. Such a beautiful yes. song too. Yeah. And then the real kicker on that is, of course, the Kimya Dawson um, cameo. Oh, yeah. Ooh, little dance. Cook a little fish Look up at the stars Make a little wish Nothing's probably gonna happen I don't think of you that way We're not doing anything wrong As uh, Kimmy Dawson of the Moldy Peaches and Juno yeah. fame, but she's always been such an incredible inspiration to us um, as a recording artist, as a musician, as a as a punk rocker, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, to to get her to play Hermione and sing this as a duet was the real icing on the cake. Oh, so beautiful. <laughs> It's really, it's really something. Also, there's just such a set of, I, I mean, I, I went, I went through listening, um, and made some notes about my favorite lyrics. And when I look at them all together, it's, it's incredible how far that aspect of it has come as well. Just the complexity that you guys are throwing down in these songs. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, lay it on me. 100%. Yeah. Th- I, I mean, want to th- hear. Yeah. This is a record that 
like if we had tried to sit down and make a record about the seventh book 10 years ago, we wouldn't have made the record we have here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the like in the second song, first of all, something about the beginning of that song reminded me of um, "Let My Love Open the Door" oh. for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I don't. You know You are why. not alone it's... there. Really, it's everyone. What is it? Everyone's gonna say that about about that song. Seriously? It's it's a really similar rhythmic uh, yeah. chord change. Yeah, there were okay. a few songs that had a kind of a little like whisper of a melody that I, I mm-hmm. could recognize, but I'm really bad at recognizing that... stuff, so I had no idea. So with that, <laughs> with that, um, "Let My Love Open the Door." Uh, that was not what I was intentionally trying to rip off there. I was trying to rip off a They Might Be Giants song. <laughs> and then... It what was the They Might Be Giants song? Um, uh, hey, Mr. DJ, I thought you said we had a deal. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, um, that's right. It doesn't yeah, linger. Yeah. It doesn't like... Be, you don't, you're not like, this is that song. Right, right. But there's like a hot second where you're like, oh, no. It's Yeah, it's the, the same opening like chord structures. So That's so funny. But there's like, when it gets dark, turn on the light, send out the signal, we must unite, entranced by the power and slickness of ambitious war supremacists. Like, this this is the kind of, there's like double and triple things going on here. Um, And then there's this more simpler, um, like, the importance of media literacy song is one of my favorites, personally. Oh, so good. Former journalist and, Mm. you know, just somebody who's as horrified as horrified can be about what's yeah. going on in the world right now and that that reminder of what's the narrative who's it benefit that kind of yeah. invocation to look deeper has always been in the in the core of the the harry and the potters yeah um, yeah oeuvre. well I, I mean that's a that's a good example of where i felt like um joe joe articulated it very succinctly saying like this is not an album we could have written 10 years ago and another part of that is like I spent a lot of the last 10 years working like with the Harry Potter Alliance. And, and part of that mm-hmm. was like figuring out how, how Harry Potter can be a, a place where you can make these connections, you know, beyond, beyond the stories, but connections to um, the world around us. And so that was definitely at the foreground of uh, the lyrics as we were writing them and, and thinking about those, those kind of like bigger questions, like, yeah, what is the narrative? Who's a benefit? Yeah. Yeah, I think we had written our other full lengths before we had really seen like the power of this um like fandom and fan activism and like the work right. the work you did with the Harry Potter Alliance. Yeah, so. we started to get into it in, in Power of Love cuz that was just as mm-hmm. Harry Potter Alliance was taking shape and I remember specifically thinking about it as we were composing like Song for the Death Eaters or um or phoenix song or dumbledore stuff like that those like sort of heavy hitters on on that record but yeah it's it's much more fully formed and realized in this yeah uh, new album well there's this one lyric in the in the no pure blood supremacy song um sorry i don't know i don't remember all the the time i just listened to it straight that is the title okay great um uh a rally a rally point for a supporter set that's afraid of everything and it's like and listen, mm-hmm. we're saying all we're having all these parallels to the world, but I think it's really important to remember that that and that when you listen to this album, you can divorce like this is just about the Harry Potter plot. It doesn't feel it's not heavy handed. But then when you hear a line like that, that's a rally point for a supporter set that's afraid of everything. It's absolutely true in Harry Potter. It's absolutely true to the story. But that's what's going on in our world now. And I thought that was such a great way to encapsulate it. Thanks. Yeah. Sorry, this is not it's not a question. It's just a Yeah. Know. No, it's not a question and it's a but it's true, you know, it it, it is like 
all of these authoritarians are using fear as a motivating tactic. And um, we wanted to address that because I think you have to know the way your enemy <laughs> is is operating to counter it. I want to jump on something that we brought up here briefly, but uh, you mentioned um, performances and how important the live shows have been to the Harry and the Potters fandom and Harry Potter fandom at large, of course. And my, uh, there was definitely a song here that when I first heard it, my mind immediately just started daydreaming about the first time I see you perform it and how hilarious it's going to be. <laughs> and uh, I think, oh, this... I don't know if it's as obvious I know to you as going. it was to me. <laughs> But all of like, I'm just trying to think. Like, are you going to use like foam fish, or like, are you going to buy the fish? Are you going to make the fish? I said no spoilers, John. I love I said no fish. spoilers. I mean, I'm not there with you, but I feel like in my head I was there in at like a future LeakyCon this year. Uh, Swedish fish. Okay, that. so let's just talk about um, fishing in the Harry Potter books for a minute. Let's do it. Because I feel it, like this is something we thought of before we probably sat down to write the book. This is yeah, this is something that's been stuck in my head literally since reading this for the first time is that and I, I and I want to know if it, it sticks with you all as well or if it's just like the way me and Joe are interpreting this book. But Oh god, definitely not just you. Go go ahead. Okay, it's so it's so you're did we did we talk about this in two thousand you've been thinking about it too. <laughs> I was thinking about this. I've been thinking about it since I heard that oh, song. No. I was I was thinking about it, about it before you even got to the part <laughs> where you were talking about fish, because, like, I'm like, of course, like, why the why hell would they, they do that? Right. Yeah. Why? What? What rule is there against that? Honestly, I, you could think of so many ways to bring fish from the water to your plate <laughs> like you could you could transfigure a fishing pole or a net it makes sense to me that john noe is worrying over this but melissa frankie have you been thinking about accio fish for like the last 12 years okay not for the last 12 years but when i listened to it i definitely snipped the lyrics the, all the end of the song all the accios and sent it to my boyfriend it was like there's a new harry and the potter album coming out these are real lyrics <laughs> 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 his, his response was like cool amazing on brand can't wait funnily enough that that song was ready to get cut it was not on the record list and then a week no. before no. no like literally two days before we went into the studio we came up with the the ending ending bit and it <laughs> saved the song I'll, I'll say not for 12 years and frankie i don't know if you feel the same but as i was listening to it i was like of course this is so why didn't they do this well yeah the, i mean the goblin the goblins show up and they're like accio salmon and suddenly they're eating and like yes. harry and ron and hermione are like over there starving like watching this unfold and they gotta just be like smacking themselves on the forehead being like we're trying to steal food and we can just like cast some magic on this river and suddenly we're eating fish for the night <laughs> It's like, oh. and they were almost always by water yeah. too. It's like, and that's the it's the killer. It's like you're literally surrounded by by food. You just just out of sight. I truly, truly typed ha 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 in my notes because <laughs> I was laughing so hard. Like if you want to like make it into like a canon uh, canon discussion, like. Was there like some kind of magical law against doing the accio on something that was alive? 
And because I know that that rule has been broken in the Fantastic Beast series when they're like doing Accio Jacob and pulling him all the way across the bank and all these crazy <laughs> things that like you're not meant to be able to Accio people. You're not. But I don't. Yeah. Think- okay. Canon conundrum here. Mm-hmm. Actually, the so there's a, a whole other song we have. The song we're talking about is "Gone Gone Camping" on Lumos. But there's another song. Yeah. That- we wrote called Accio Fish that's really just about the weird uses of Accio. And I wanted to ask, mm-hmm. like, does this is my canon conundrum? Does Accio Hagrid work when Harry casts it <laughs> on the brooms? Seven Potters. Does Accio Hagrid work? I don't know. I just can't imagine it could possibly work. And I also don't think you can Accio something heavier than you are it's a magical uh, world out there john expect to, to work but that's that's an interesting what do you think you can't act something heavier than you are i just think about how like the force would be no you can't you know, talk about the force because the force there. it's all about breaking down logic to get, kind of get into that power that zen state of lifting something that doesn't weigh anything in this one they are introducing rules and logic to some of the magic and so i would imagine like a wingardium leviosa didn't he cast that on his like thing and it's falling down and he kind of floated for a little bit? He cast it on what? On the on the sidecar or something? Am I remembering that wrong? When when Hagrid fell off the cycle, didn't he cast oh, yeah. Garden Leviosa on his trunk or something to kind of half half float it down or no? I I don't. forget. Um, I think it's only for objects. Let's vote. Did Accio Hagrid work? Yes, mm, but just no. not strong enough to do anything. Uh I don't think it. I don't think it could I have mean, worked. Hagrid survived that fall. I'm Hagrid survived, yeah. <laughs> which I think is maybe uh, in, it could in part be due. If I'm if I'm like I'm I'm kind of fifty fifty <laughs> on whether or not it worked, but since Hagrid survives, uh, maybe a sixty forty. Yes. There you go. There you go. I mean, how 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 far was the drop? The hundreds of gigantic. Feet, right? They were like well, it was. It was higher than a house, yeah. at the very least, right? Because they were flying away from Privet Drive. I mean, we have anecdotal evidence of other wizards surviving falls from, like, windows and, and things. he's half-giant. He's strong. Plus, Hagrid's a giant. Um, I don't know. So, she, so Harry I, does... Um, I'm doing a little research. Harry does Akio a toad at one point. Mm. So, he does successfully Akio Trevor. Okay, oh. well, if that's the case, then they can definitely Akio But then fish. J.K. Rowling made uh, some sort of comment sure. in regard to the Fantastic Beast movies that says that Akio doesn't work on living things. What? So, we have Well, a, we, we know how a... consistent she can be with yeah. her lore. Yeah, recently, we're having issues. So. <laughs> we're having issues with her. Do you her think lately? when the goblins so. cast Akio Salmon by the river, it's goblin magic? That's a good it point. It has to be, they can't use wands. They can't use wands. Hmm. Well, maybe that explains. Maybe that explains away the song. <laughs> why would uh, they? Why would they use a wizard spell though? If they're using goblin magic. Oh, good point. But Harry summons a frog, which is bigger than a lot of fish. So no, we just talking about the goblin. No, I know, but like Harry uses a yeah. wand to summon a frog in a book. So does that mean that he can summon fish? Of course. Or Hagrid. Or Hagrid. <laughs> Hagrid. I don't think he's strong enough to lift on his own. He's fun to hug, though. But I would argue that the spell connects. It just wouldn't. Just enough. not quite work. Um, Maybe his. I I'm gonna say the spell succeeds. Frankie says okay. uh, doesn't quite succeed, but also doesn't fail. Uh, John, yeah, Echo Hagrid's not gonna work in the way that you expect it to. I, I I'll grant you maybe it it uh, slows down his his okay. fall slightly. I, I would imagine if like you had multiple people doing it simultaneously. Yeah, if the trio uh, did it, they could lift him for sure. 
I think. Uh-huh. Yeah, hmm. I think it depends on the strength of the wizard. I think Dumbledore could do it. I think Harry alone could not, especially in stress. And I think the three of them together could lift Hagrid. Joe? Yeah, I don't think it has to be a, a binary. I think there's a... Um, I think it, it... I think it, like... <laughs> He softens Hagrid's fall a little bit. There you go. That's what I'm thinking. Speaking of this scene, Hedwig, alive or dead? Hedwig has never been proven to be dead. Thank you, John. They never found the body. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say he's alive because this is one of the rare cases that I thought the movie did it better. I like that Hedwig protected Harry in the movie and died. I thought that was was very, very apt. So in the books, he's alive. Hedwig lives forever. Never going back. Great. Hedwig lives forever. <laughs> what about you, Joe? Oh, yeah. Hedwig's alive. There I'm are alive. many possible ways. Yep. All right. Sorry. So we established it uh, here on we Pottercast. Saw- Hedwig is still alive. <laughs> we need to get that website going again. That was a great I turned it. Great I turned it into a zine, Melissa. It's available on the Harry and the Potters merch table this summer. <laughs> yes. I remember You owe that me royalties. <laughs> I do. I probably. I probably owe you some hosting fees. <laughs> yeah, some hosting fees. Pay me back. Buy me dinner. It's all yeah. fine. Oh my gosh! I just wanted to tell you guys that I really, really loved "You're Not the Wizard." Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I thought. I think that's a really healthy song to mm. have people challenge the leadership in their life and realize what they're all about. Because for me, that's what like. Trump was such a slap in the face for me when I realized all these my conservative friends and family were supporting him when they have no reason to be. And so like it just made me realize that I was playing a different game than them. And I was like, yeah, they're not what yeah. they were. Hmm. And so I really, really appreciated that song. So oh, there wow. you go. I'm done talking about it now. Yeah, it's cool to hear you you take it that way. Um, yeah, I agree with it's that. really frustrating. Yeah. No, that was a that was definitely a cool song and a very, you know, it's it's funny how one of the last you know, newer songs of you guys that I could remember would be Dumbledore. Right. And like, you know, such a a long way away we are now from, you know, how we used to think about him. But now, like, you know, this perspective here is very much on point with like uh, a lot of the, you know, he's not the only only character we've been kind of re-looking at, uh, you know, since then. Um but he's definitely up there the most. Right. And I like, I honestly like these songs as a pair, you know, um, cause I think it, mm-hmm. it provides a more sort of holistic portrait of the, the man Dumbledore, which is that, you know, um, he's mm-hmm. not this sort of, um, completely perfect icon. And, um, even though he's not completely perfect, it's also, um, you know, we can, we can sort of reconcile those differences and still appreciate all the good things he did. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. This is really more of an age of uh, nuanced and flawed characters being okay. And we're, I think as Harry Potter fans and Paul, you and I talked about this on the phone a little bit. It's we're grappling with that a little bit. Um, as we look at these movies and the, the relooking at the characters and, and, and feeling a little bit adrift in what was compared with what is mm, yeah um, right this so we, album was yeah like a little I bit mean, of a bomb at the at the back of our mind is the sort of all all post book seven canon and other whatever things going on in the world um and 
you know, we've we've never really participated in that side of uh, the fandom all that much. Haven't had a ton of enthusiasm for that sort of thing. And so for us to dig back into book seven, um, it was it was reinvigorating for us to just like relook at this book kind of on its own merit. And um, I hope that it'll be um, reinvigorating for all the people who um, are are less interested or, or less engaged by the newer stuff to just um take a moment and kind of revisit with book seven because that's that's sort of yeah. where <laughs> that's sort of where yeah. where this uh this record ends uh would very deliberately avoid um the epilogue as well here that's yeah. good that's cool that's it's a good reminder to kind of like go back to what we fell in love with to begin with y'all yeah when is it out <laughs> all right uh well lumos the new album by harry and the potters is available in stores everywhere or most where um june 21st um but we are currently i don't know when this episode comes out but if it comes out in the next like 10 days uh Mm -hmm. we are currently running a kickstarter where you can get a pre-order going along with many other cool um rewards we've got a vinyl press of this double lp it's 16 songs Mm -hmm. almost an hour long so it's two records there and got it on cd we made a usb drive shaped like hagrid where all the all the music we've ever recorded is inside hagrid's beard uh, i'm ordering one of those for sure that's such a good oh, idea i love it did you see that one melissa <laughs> i did not oh my god you gotta go look at this i'm gonna go look right now In hagrid's beard that's fantastic so oh my god only you would come up with that There's lots of other cool stuff. There's um, there's that companion disc I mentioned earlier with the uh, the Hedwig song, as well as ten other songs that didn't make the cut for this record, but are also still wow. pretty interesting and good. And mostly camping the companion. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that's what it's called. Mostly oh, camping. I can't. Hagrid's beard US. I'm sorry that I haven't looked very closely at this yet. Hagrid's beard USB disc discography you have a whole uh set of camping gear oh yeah some cool some cool uh mugs you can get an, like an enamel mug good for uh reheating whatever can of beans you may have swiped from the supermarket <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> like hobo uh amazing the power seeker split his soul and locked it in the bank i touched the cup levitated bird over his mouth the flying prank we are brave Um. Yeah this this looks phenomenal, and that's at uh. Well, we'll put a link in the show notes, and we'll tweet it. Yeah, as you well. can figure it out. We'll get this out. We'll get this out before the end of the. Yeah, blog about it. We'll blog about it. Uh, but this is amazing, and we're so it's re it's we're so happy to have some uh new stuff from you guys reinvigorating the community, and you will be at LeakyCon in August. Oh yeah. And in October. Yes. Double leakies. These are. St- some of our favorite shows we get to play is uh, mm. your convention, Melissa. And our convention has been what it has been for so many years for because there's so much to do with the energy that you guys bring to it. Um, October, we're going to be in, uh, well, Dallas in August, and then October in Boston is 10 years. Wow. That's crazy. I know the 10 years is actually this month, right? It is. It's like in a week. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah. I have a 
a very special fondness in my heart for the first LeakyCon. I know it was a financial failure (laughs) in many regards, but um, it was it was absolute it was a game-changing event it was a game-changing event for the fandom and uh somehow melissa and her team have been able to turn it into a a maybe more profitable and sustainable uh ongoing concern but um i'd call it sustainable yeah (laughs) (laughs) we are trying you know it's every every we think about these things so differently back then this was just a fun thing we did on the side and now that you could still do have it be as fun and valuable and, and wonderful while it sustains people's livelihoods yeah. you know um and so that's what's that's what's happening now and we're so grateful for it every day and um we're so excited to celebrate these milestones with you guys can't wait yeah, yeah. we probably won't do the bacon thing again but we'll, we'll bring something special <laughs> Fish. Uh, for the for those who don't know at the Fish. at the first at the first not not real fish, please. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be gross. Oh, at the fir- Listen, yes, you have to say fish. these to you guys. Yes. At the, at the first LeakyCon, Harry and the Potters, during their song about bacon, literally brought out trays and trays of bacon and served everybody, mm. then put all the bacon grease into a gallon jug. Oh, and- I forgot that part. <laughs> And auctioned it off on Sunday for charity. I think you did pretty oh, good on that uh, bacon grease yeah, auction. You, you did. did. You did. The HVA got some money. <laughs> it was, uh, but uh, to, the oh, backstory dude. to that is that Joe and I literally spent four hours cooking bacon in our parents' house the night before that gig. <laughs> oh and that would and then I learned time. that you can get pre-cooked bacon. Yes. And I'm a, just <laughs> such a such a DIY dummy over here. <laughs> but you wouldn't have gotten that grease. Yeah. You wouldn't have the grease. Would not have gotten the grease. Listen, I I appreciate it. It's it's a moment. It's a moment that'll never be again in in you know <laughs> in LeakyCon history until you guys bring a bunch of fish. I don't know. Don't give them ideas. A lot more people. Do it. Do a lot it. more people will be needed. Do you guys for this one. another can? Of, got another can of conundrum for you. Do you guys think that really? Harry Potter's favorite food is bacon or um? I feel like there's a more canonical answer to that, and that there is. Okay, you got it. I th- uh, hold on it? a second. I know this. Is there? I think he likes bacon a whole lot. It just gets. I think mixed. I did so tell Joe you. and I, we came up with this song about bacon just as because like we were re-listening to the audio books and it just kept jumping out at us like how often Harry is going after the bacon. <laughs> <laughs> It and Hermione loves toast. Today and I noticed that too. Did you know that? Do you know Hermione Hermi- loves toast? Hermione-, Hermione loves toast. They used to call the Harry Hermione ship something about toast. I can't remember the full. Really? It was something about yeah. Toast was a part of that description. Bacon of that on ship toast. Yeah. yeah. Bacon on toast. Got it. They called it bacon on toast. <laughs> uh, I don't think they did. But listen, I think I think bacon is as close um, as you get. To Harry's favorite, except for maybe treacle tart. Oh, I thought he liked. The oh, pumpkin, that, that's what it was. Pumpkin pasties. Yeah, like yeah, he has like dessert favorites, but I think food favorites, mm. bacon. Food favorite bacon might his. be bacon. All right. Yeah. Do you think that's the sandwich that creature brings him at the end? I do. A bap. Bring him a bacon sandwich. A bap. Yep. A bap. A bap. So when I when I li- worked in London for a while, about. A month in, maybe everybody started ordering these sandwiches on a Friday, and they were called baps, and I didn't know what it was. And I get, bacon and I and said, egg? "I, no, it's just bacon on a buttered roll." And when I told them, 
I hadn't ever had one. You you ever see one of those gags where somebody says something really mild, but the whole room stops? Yeah. It literally, there was a guy, I'm not even kidding, on the phone next to me who said, <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to, can I call you back? And hung up his phone call because I'd never had a, it was so weird. So, and so crazy. But it's like this like very quintessentially British thing. It's called a bop. Bop. I never heard of it. B-A-P. English bacon's like really different too. It's like very thick different. and wide. Straight ham, right? Yeah. Yeah. It is like a fried so ham. It's like a ham it's sandwich. Like a black ham. Yeah. You're all making me so hungry right now. Oh my God. <laughs> I need to it's go. It's a bread roll. Look it up. Yeah. British bap. Mm. So the drums. Okay. So Paul, you just finished a D&D. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What do you play? Oh, um, I am currently playing a bard. Um, and of course you yeah, are. Yeah, so Wait, my I need bard, his level and race. Uh let's see. Human, uh we just leveled up to we leveled up to five tonight. Um oh, finished awesome. our first major campaign segment. Um it's sort of mm. so my bard is very much inspired by like Jimmy Buffett. Um because we're on <laughs> this sort of like shit like pirate ship island adventure, so we're bopping around to these different islands, and so I'm sort of like this island troubadour just Um Paul, can you explain D&D to me? Oh. <laughs> Do you not I've know D&D, played... Melissa? I mean, I know it colloquially. I know the general outline. But when you say things like, we're on a five, we finished our first campaign. I don't know how <laughs> The first D is for dungeons. Oh, cool. First D for dungeons and the second D is for dragons. Um, it's, <laughs> a, it's a role-playing game. That I yep. knew. And, uh, you know, I would say the you have a, a dungeon master... Uh, or game master who kind of uh, plots out the adventure for the party and then there's all these characters that you are playing with and then there are also characters that the dungeon master plays so um, they're called non-player characters and the dungeon master will set up these encounters between your characters and the non-player characters and you go on adventures and um, it's a lot of uh, fantasy in terms of uh, just you can you can go as deep as you want in terms of playing your character and setting up this whole backstory, or you can just be like a brash fighter who just likes to beat things up. Our our um That's me. our team really likes to dig into the socio political underpinnings of whatever city we end up in. Of so course. we're usually trying That's to awesome. like of course. figure out how to get like minority el- minority elves into like systems of government or something <laughs> oh my oh, gosh <laughs> it can be so it can get my, pretty brutal <laughs> my understanding of this is that this is almost wholly dependent like like basically the dungeon master is like an author yeah right yeah. yes I'm training to be one that you're training so imp- that's like improv and writing at once those are two of the hardest things you can do well, see, with, I have, I've been playing D&D with a group of friends for like three, almost four years now, and I've been wanting to try to DM for a minute, but I just didn't feel comfortable. I finally feel like I understand the game well enough now that I can dip my toe in it, and I've been asking mm-hmm. my DMs like um, just different ways that they problem solve. Like, what do you do when you build up an encounter that they never walk into that effing room? And, he's, yeah. and he was, they, all, they just gave me tips on how they abstract their writing process a little bit. You just want story beats for them to hit. And you have to kind okay. of be okay with the improv aspect and see where your characters want to go. And then try and see if you can massage that first encounter into the, the motif that they want to go down. Rather than forcing them down a hallway you built. And I thought that was a really right. good, idea, good advice. So I'm going to try that kind of technique. But 
I've never done it, and it's really fun to play. Uh, Frankie, if you become a dungeon master, the three of us should record a D&D podcast. There's, I would, maybe, because there, I, that's... <laughs> Frankie knows There's the so bar has been set pretty so high D&D here podcasts. on D&D Podcast. I feel like you need more than three people, don't you? No, you actually would want... The one this. I listen to, there are... Well, there's four people total. Um, you'd probably want three players and one DM for a podcast. Because that's, or we like, try it as like an extra, like a podcast extra for a couple of I would like, love to patrons. do that. I would love to um, do that, but I need to try it in real life first, so I'm a couple months away. But we'll do it in, pa- in the Patreon. It's a nice little soft landing. <laughs> Fun. Yeah, you tell us when you're ready, and then Paul and Joe, you come on and, and <laughs> be part of it. I don't know. I don't know if this is even possible. I'm making it up. I think I'm. Last time I I sat in on Paul's campaign last time, and I messed everything up. I really, actually, I Joe, that was great. Joe's <laughs> oh. Joe's never properly <laughs> played, but when he happened? was visiting, <laughs> when he was visiting, he jumped into a, a normally a non-player character, and it was it was great. He was given a character <laughs> sheet, and he just like went hard on like a couple of the very minor amounts of character development that had been done <laughs> and um and yeah really set us on a, a different course as a party and it was great <laughs> that's so cool that sounds so much fun i've never it tried is. it uh, when i was in la i was trying to find it but i couldn't when i moved here to vancouver i luckily my neighbor's cat's walked into my apartment and became friends with them and then they let me start playing D&D with them. Oh, that's so. awesome. Well, that sounds like yeah. a great way to start. An emissary cat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that cat had a quest for you. Oh. So I watch I watch this really stupid television show called Riverdale. I it's, love it so much. Oh my gosh. Complete insanity. It has a, it has <laughs> it has so... achieved something remarkable in that you it you there's no logic. No, everything's batshit insane yeah. and it is absolutely what you expect it's so intoxicating they are, they are completely free and they just it's the weirdest thing and they have this whole extended thing about G&G oh did you say G&G oh wow cool yeah, uh, griffins and gargoyles griffins and gargoyles G&G yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, they're clearly taking their own take on it um, but like the whole like D&D has like warped into the real world where there's like a gargoyle king and everybody's getting real world quests and so Archie with his red hair is the red paladin and it's like very um <laughs> so it's very dumb. weird. Oh wow, I'm going to check it's this so out. So dumb. Last season, is- I'll say this, and this is a little spoilery but not really. There's one character who one week is approached by the FBI to go undercover and then the next week the stakes are even higher when they're running for student body president. Is he going to win? Yes, I know. Like it's just like you get the binge <laughs> when you watch the show. It's like wait, there was they were he was taking out a crime lord last week, but yep. now he's worried if he's going to get elected. The guy <laughs> is like trying to take down a crime lord and then he he runs away to Canada, gets killed by a bear. No joke, and then shows up home the next week. The thing, the thing, it is just clear your mind of any expectation but of the way story Everybody enjoy the bad shit. Everybody in the show is so pretty. So pretty. Everybody is so pretty, pretty. and it's uh-huh. just like it's just they're I can't... Un- unapologetically pretty, and all the guys take their wonderful shirts off. It's lovely. <laughs> I gotta say, like it is the most. It is like the diametrically opposite of Harry and the Potters. That's Riverdale. Okay. Would I like it? I would. I would like to sit next to you. Because the watched. way you described it sounded cool. <laughs> no, no, no. See, but, see I'm this guy. I'm describing it with the ironic lens in which I can see it. Like it. Right. It isn't trying to be this weird. It's. It's sincere, and so it's lame if you can't appreciate uh, the craziness. 
I think it knows how fucking batshit it is. I think it knows. <laughs> it does, but it's doing it, seri- it do- it's doing it with a straight face, in my opinion. And that's, that's what fair. makes it all the more fun to watch because he's like, come on, you guys know this is stupid, right? <laughs> but they just keep it's doing so stupid things. So dumb. It's like some weeks, some weeks they care about school. Some weeks they're in a cult and they all wear white and are... Are you caught know, up, like Melissa? Are you caught up? Oh, yeah. I Did you watch the most recent episode when she finds out what they're doing at the farm? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That yeah, is yeah. insane! Yeah. They yeah, talked last year. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so... In the drums recently, guys, we tend to tell each other what we're watching or listening to or whatever. Um, so what are you guys like either watching or listening to or or any other recommendations you have? Oh, yeah. Um, hmm. I've been listening to our record a lot just because I have to do all the <laughs> I have to do all the approvals. Like, hey, does this master sound right? Here's test pressings, all that sort of thing. Let me let me go check out what else I've been listening to here. Scroll through the old iTunes. Let's yeah, we go here. through podcasts or music, and oh yeah, why? Well, I, I mean, podcasts. I keep up with Reply All. I love that one. I love it's my favorite. That and Radio Lab are my favorites. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, I just yeah, I just love the how crazy Jetta Boomerad edits these those podcasts. <laughs> There's like so they're so thick with yeah yeah with sounds. Yeah. Um, they really. I mean, those are amazing pieces of work. I love this podcast called song exploder that is um all about um musical artists sort of dissecting their songs and sort of walking you through the process of creating their songs um and that's just like awesome for a music nerd like me who wants to hear how songs end up going from just like a weird iphone demo into like the full-fledged like yeah there's one with janelle monet where they actually like play She's playing her iPhone demos where she's like singing little melody clips and things like that. It's really wonderful. Oh, that's nice. cool. I love her. Oh, cool. I love stuff that gives you a little glimpse behind like that. Yeah, I've been listening to a lot of uh, um, New Age Kitaro. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, I've this, been. All the synthesizer music. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the same boat. Uh, I've, I really love this great um, compilation that came out recently. It's called Kankyo Angaku. And it's a compilation of Japanese environmental music. So it's music that was composed for physical spaces to be like the sort of soundtrack for a space, like composed for a department store or something. So it's all this like sort of ambient and abstract music that was made in like the early to mid 1980s. Um, It's really wonderful there. Um, And I've been listening to uh, this record um, by our friend's band. uh, Band's called Bad Moves. And I listen to that album like at least once a week now. Um, what's the name of that oh, album? That's a good record. Oh, I love it. It's like really great power pop. It's just like full. Ooh, power pop. Yeah, it's just like full filthy with hooks. It's an album called. <laughs> I love that. Filthy, filthy with hooks. <laughs> I love me of music that gives me some bops. That's the episode title. Filthy with hooks. It's an album called Tell No One by the band. By the band Bad Moves. Out of the episode title is either going to be Filthy with Hooks or Akio Hacker. Yeah. I think Filthy with Hooks. I would love it if somebody would describe our new record as Filthy with Hooks. I think there's quite a few. Not Maybe not as many as the Bad Moves album, but we do all right. What are you listening to, John? Or watching? I don't listen to a whole lot. Um, you know, uh, well, hell, I, I took the last three or four weeks and watched all of Game of Thrones. Yeah. Are you caught up? Yeah. Yeah. She's caught up. 
It took Damn, me dude. quite a while, but I'm all caught up, and holy cow, you guys, this show is something else. It's something else. It's kind of fun to be part of this phenomenon. But we can't talk about the most recent episode, because you guys haven't seen it, right? Have I not. haven't. I don't think oh, Joe's seen... Oh, um, not caught up. I haven't seen any episode. So. <laughs> <laughs> that, well, that was me not all that long ago. <laughs> So if you're a Patreon uh, person, you can go and listen to what we're about to do, but it's not going to be on the regular feed, which is we're going to sort some of the Stark children. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Joe, Just the Starks, Joe huh? who has not seen any Game of Thrones, will be sorting Put him in the all hat. of the Stark children. <laughs> Put him in the hat. <laughs> Our sorting episode's coming. In the meantime, thank you guys so much for coming on Pottercast. Um, you guys are welcome here always. You know that. Oh, I'll be back next week. This was so fun. Come sort everyone. Thanks, Um, Melissa. And everybody go check out. uh, Is all the info at harryandthepotters.com? Yeah, you'll find it there. Okay. Or Google them. Yeah, Google it up. Get a Google going. just Google if you can't remember. Or just Google it if you can't remember. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So. uh, Y'all still using that that, uh, theme song? Yeah, we are. Okay, great. Uh, hey, we we did two someplace. we did two Pottercast theme songs for y'all. I'd, I'd love it if you play both of them oh, on this show. Cast. Yeah, that that zombie Frankie one. knows which one. The zombie one. Uh, that's the Pottercast one. What's it? What was the other one? It was like Potter. you made out with a goblin. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah, John's got it. Hey Potter people, hey Potter people, we're always talking, you're always listening, we're always talking, we're Pottercasting, hey Potter people, hey Potter people, we talk about the Harry Potter stuff, yeah, we talk about the Harry Potter stuff, we talk about the Harry Potter. Hey Potter people, hey Potter people, we're always talking, you're always listening. Hey Potter people, hey Potter people, we're always talking, we're Potter casting. What? Uh, that was Emily. that was um Emily. That, well, that was just before uh, yeah. that was before I was on it too, because that was when I was listening. Still. Yeah, Francis. Oh yes, Francis! Oh my God! <laughs> oh Francis! You forgot about Francis. The, I don't know any Emily's. The alter ego. About That's right. Francis. Francis was the fan. Mm-hmm. Francis was a fan. All right. Well, we're gonna head out and sort these Stark children because somebody's like, gotta okay. get into some houses. Uh, uh, how you know how we end things here on Pottercast? The- Until next time, keep twiddling those dials. The password is acid pops. <laughs> nice. Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good, Good night. night. Good night. I missed it. Bobby free. I confess myself disappointed. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to bed. Great, Scott. No wonder. Look at the time. We've been here nearly four hours. Spooky how the time flies when one's having fun. <laughs>